Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Our guest today is Kelsey Helyar, who is the co-owner and CBO of Constantly Varied Gear, a fitness apparel line that is dedicated to ensuring women feel empowered and confident in fitness and beyond. On today's episode, we're going to be chatting about why it is so important to put equal weight on training both your mental and physical health, and that you can't sacrifice your mental health in pursuit of your physical health. We also talk about burnout and overtraining, the most common signs of overtraining, and how to adjust your training and nutrition to different seasons of your life. One thing that I know you guys are going to love about this episode is we are also diving into common nutrition tips and myths around weightlifting and functional fitness training, and why following some of these trends will actually make you feel worse. So Kelsey, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited to have you on after I was on your podcast at this point a couple of months ago, I think. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it was it was now. But. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me on. We loved your episode and need to have you on again. Our ladies loved your episode. It was amazing. Like, oh, what can I say? I love even... talking about poop. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like a 50-minute episode and we were like, we're not even done. Like, I feel like we just scratched the surface. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I want to dive right in today because I love your the podcast and your like philosophy and what you guys do and everything like that. So I kind of want to start off like with a bomb. And one of the things that you all talk about all the time is to say, you know, like get off the scale, stop shrinking, like don't be afraid to take up space and you are enough, right? But um, for those of us in the fitness space, we know it doesn't usually start out that way, right? So tell the listeners a little bit more about your background, your personal story, and then what led you to that philosophy. Oh, great. Um, yeah, so my background, um, I'm actually a social worker by trade. Um, I was getting my master's in clinical social work and working with the public and women a lot. And as I was kind of like working from like a systemic like standpoint of like helping people like, you know, live better, happier, healthier lives, I was realizing that like that work for me um, really stemmed at the individual and how we think about ourselves, how we are talk about ourselves, how we interact with others, how we feel confident in our bodies, and of course, how we eat and fuel our bodies. Um, I felt like there was a really big disconnect from the mental health field and our physical health. And it really became problematic when we don't talk about those as if they are working together. You know, like if your physical health is suffering, you know, so is your mental health. If your mental health is suffering, of course, so is your physical health. And we kind of in for as my experience in the social work field, you know, we weren't talking about both of those together and how, you know, a lot of the challenges that we're experiencing individually come down to, you know, 
how we're treating ourselves on a daily basis and how we are, you know, waking up and like looking in the mirror and talking to ourselves and, you know, leading our lives in this kind of diet culture where we're just yo-yoing from where we are being good and we're, we're bad. And, you know, when we are on the wagon, when we're off the wagon, how we fall off, we're roll, we're, we're hit by the wagon, you know, and that's how, you know, fitness and health like typically works. Um, so, you know, long story short, I started a fitness group with my sister and we really just started by giving away some free workouts. Um, you know, I had found CrossFit and loved it. I love the idea of, um, you know, taking health and fitness and looking at it from what I can do and not what my body looks like and not, you know, it, how small I can be, how much I can shrink in the gym, how long I can do cardio or abs or any of those things. It was, what can we do with our bodies? And I was really introduced to the idea of strength, you know, like just lifting weights was a new idea for me. Um, you know, I had been the person who was kind of like on the elliptical and then like doing abs and, and, you know, there was a space for that at some point, but, you know, when I found that we could lift and that there was a fitness community where it was only the sole focus was not how you looked in the mirror. It was what you could do. And you walk into a CrossFit gym, there's no mirrors. It's that's, that's just what it is. Like, it's just, how do you feel like reconnecting with yourself? And like, how do you feel when you're working out? Um, you know, how much weight can you lift? Can you get better? And it's just on your performance. So when it comes to weight, you know, I say this to my ladies all the time, like the weight that matters is the weight on the bar or the weight of other people's expectations, or, you know, though it's not you know, what you're stepping on the scale and seeing and how low can we get that number that language is really so problematic to being intuitive to our bodies and learning about what we can eat and how we can um, work out because like those two things really don't work together. If we're constantly trying to just like lower the number with a general disregard for you know, health and happiness and how that fits into our lives and how we feel in our body, then we're really not even talking about health anymore. We're just, we're just talking about a number. Um, but that's really hard. And in the health and fitness space, that's a, that's a really hard message because, uh, you know, we found that when we started, <laughs> um, because, you know, a lot of people, when they want to make a change in their life, they start with the general idea of, I need to lose weight. Or, um, you know, that's just what we've been fed. So that's, it's a very common place to start. It's where I started. Um, but there's so much more to health, to happiness, to balance in your life than trying to lose weight. And there's so much more to developing a healthy lifestyle when we look at what is good for our mental health, what is good for our physical health that doesn't involve you know, starting from a place of shame, starting a place of picking apart, you know, the size of your body, you know, how much body fat you have, you know, we see it over and over, you know, women start their fitness journey and they start by looking in the mirror and taking their like progress pictures, which is very common. And I'm not downplaying that at all. It's very common, but it starts from a place of shame. Like we look in the mirror and we say like, these are the pieces of our body that I want to shrink, that I want to make go away. And we don't really honor the woman who got there. 
you know, the, the starting woman who was brave enough to decide that she wanted to make a change in her life, that she wanted to live a happier, healthier life. And, um, so that's, that's where we kind of started this, you know, this whole, this whole idea that now has, um, you know, our, our community has grown to like 90,000 women in our, in our Facebook group, um, which is amazing because I thought this was going to be a really unpopular idea, (laughs) you know, like I was like, no one is going to like this idea at all. Um, because it goes against everything that we've been taught and we've been told. And it's really hard to kind of wrap your head around, right? It's really hard to, when you're in a, in a community where it's like lose 10 pounds in two weeks is the, the in thing it's popular. It's easy to digest when you have a more comprehensive idea of what health looks like. It doesn't have that quick bait. It doesn't have the like sexiness of, of what, you know, some of us are trying to achieve aesthetically and it's okay to have aesthetic goals, but when your aesthetic goals start to trump your health and your, how you're feeling in your body, like, are they that important? Like when they become more important than the general health in your life, like we have to look at that, right? Yeah, I want to unpack that because I think for a lot of people, especially in the fitness space or people who are not in the fitness space at all, there's this kind of preconceived notion that health equals aesthetics or like if you have the aesthetics, you like must be healthy. You know, it's like bi-directional, right? But what you all talk about a lot is like we need to be valuing our health over our aesthetics, right? Which is also very rare in the fitness space. Um, So I'd love if you could talk about that a little bit more and then we can go into how do you guys define health, right? Because I think depending on the practitioner or the person that you talk to, we all define health in different ways. So I always find it's really helpful to make sure everybody's on the same page when we're talking about this stuff. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a great point because, um, you know, I I get a lot of pushback on this when I speak to women about health, not having a look or a size. And that is just like full stop. It doesn't have a look or a size. And some people want to define it by like, you know, your body fat percentage, how much muscle you're carrying, like all these other things. But I will tell you from experience and, you know, from being a CrossFitter, you can walk in and see someone who looks incredibly fit and see another person, a very different body size, who you may not think their physical fitness could match, you know, the other one and they will destroy, they'll destroy me in a workout. They'll destroy everyone in the room because it really does not have a size. It doesn't have a look. And we can see this over and over when we look at performance-based goals, you know, when we look at what your body can do, you realize that like, you know, some of the the more traditional ways that we have thought we can measure what a healthy person looks like is really very unhealthy. And the language that we're using around that is so problematic because, you know, we look at people who are in larger bodies and we make assumptions about their lifestyle, about what they can do, about their physical health that we have absolutely no business making. You know, at my, personally, um, you know, during my journey, I was at a very unhealthy weight and I was very underweight and no one ever asked me about my health at that time. 
you know, I was, I was not in a good place at all from a health perspective. I was not eating enough. I was eating like mostly living off coffee, but <laughs> like eating like tear, like Cheez-Its throughout the day. It was a, it was a horrible lifestyle, but no one ever asked me about my health. And if I was in a different body, if I was in a larger body, you know, people would have definitely made assumptions about my health. And that in itself is so problematic. Like we can, we place, you know, value in smaller bodies as being this kind of like ideal, like healthy, uh, you know, smaller equals healthy when it really doesn't at all. You can be smaller and not be as healthy as someone who is in a larger body. And that's just full stop. And that's really hard. You know, it's really hard for <laughs> for people to conceptualize <laughs> um, and to kind of wrap their health or, or their minds around. And then I think the second part of your question there was how do we define health? And I really think that's such an important and um, important question that we have to individually ask ourselves because for me, um, you know, a healthy lifestyle is a really balanced lifestyle where I know that my mental health is in a good place. My relationships are in a good place. And I think that's, I, I like to bring that one up because I think a lot of people don't think about health and think about your healthy relationships with other people and your healthy relationship with your body. And those are some of the most important relationships you have in your life. So um, when I think about health, I think about my physical health, of course, am I feeling my body appropriately on a daily basis? Do I have energy? Am I sleeping well? Um, you know, am I performing, you know, in the gym? Am I just physically capable of doing the things that I want to do in my life? Um, is my mental health in a good place? And are my relationships in a good place? And that's kind of like how, you know, I like to talk to people about defining health for themselves because some people throw in some different, you know, ideas in there, but when I, when I say like, for me, I know that like a healthy balance, a balanced lifestyle looks like this for me. I've been physically healthier at other times in my life where my body was performing better, but I wouldn't say that I was, um, overall healthier. Cause I wasn't really balanced. I was kind of like, and, and I think that happens in everyone's journey where you go, you know, sometimes you're just like, in the gym five days a week. And you are just like, I'm at my peak physical health, but like, how is your other, how, how are the other ways that you define health? How are those doing? Because like, they can't all be number one. Like we have a list and things move down and up based on where you are in your journey. And that's why, you know, our fitness journey is ever evolving. Um, you know, it's continued. It doesn't have a start. It doesn't have an end. It's just evolving throughout our lives and everything. Physical health is not always going to be at number one, but it should stay on the list, right? Like when we are in other places, when we're looking at our careers, when we're looking at our relationships, we're putting more effort into those things. They'll move up on the list and something else has to move down because you can't have two number ones can have two number twos. <laughs> they have to move down accordingly and that's fine, <laughs> but it should always stay on the list as well as your mental health and, you know, like how we're feeling and how we're taking care of our bodies. 
Yeah, and it's really interesting. I'm sure you can, you know, speak on this more as like a competitor and people who works with people in fitness all the time is like you were mentioning before, there can be people who look really fit or like have the abs and have all the things, but even you know, without even going into the mental health or social health or whatever aspect, which a lot of that can get sacrificed in the pursuit of, you know, this very fit, low percentage body fat body. Um, some of those people, if you look at their blood markers, they're not actually that good. So it's like, okay, well, what are we sacrificing in order to just look a certain way? And if you then challenge the assumption that, you know, oh, just looking a certain way doesn't actually tell me anything about, you know, even how much weight you can lift, you know, or how fast you can run or, you know, anything like that, people are like, well, excuse me, what are you Mind talking blown. about? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's kind of redefining that is so hard. And I I just want to, and I always remind people like this doesn't happen in a day. It's not gonna happen by the end of this podcast. It's not gonna happen by the end of the week. It's it's one of those things that like we're always introducing new ideas and kind of reconditioning our minds to think about health and think about health for ourselves in a different way, because it is mind blowing. We've been told the same thing over and over. You look at health magazines, men's, women's magazines, and you see a specific aesthetic every time when you talk about someone who is physically healthy and that doesn't, you, you don't know their bud marks. <laughs> you don't know what's happening with their doctor. You don't know anything about them. So it's, it's very interesting to me how we have kind of, you know, as a society made all of these assumptions about what someone who is healthy looks like from the outside without knowing anything about, you know, what's happening behind the curtain. Yeah. And I mean, to go more into, you know, the mental health, the relational health, the social health aspect of people who, you know, let's say throw them in, themselves into the gym as a coping mechanism or they just really love it or, you know, for whatever reason, like you said, you can't have two number ones. You can't have two number twos, right? So it's like, okay, well, you know, what are we sacrificing in order to be here? And is that becoming a detriment to the other aspects of our health? Now, this is obviously a different conversation when you're reaching like the top levels of fitness because that's a choice that people are making of like, yeah, I can't really, you know, go out and get some drinks with friends during the week or, you know, whatever it is because I need to be training because I have the specific goal of whatever it is, right? Different population we're talking about here. We're talking about the majority of people who are coming in and just would like to be generally healthy. If you take nothing else from this conversation, everyone, it's let's broaden our definition of health and really examine where your definition of health, write it down or think about it, you know, what are the biggest influences on the definition of health that you currently have, right? What are those different inputs? Is it a very, let's say like a fear-based mentality? You know, if you think you need to make a change in your health, do you go about that in a very like all or nothing way? Do you go about that in a very restrictive way if you automatically think, oh, I need to take things out instead of adding things in? Just, you know, some things to consider. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such a it's such a really individual idea of like how we're going to define that for ourselves. And yeah, the 1% is making a choice though, right? Like they're making a choice to make, you know, being the most physically fit at this time in your life, you're number one. And at sometimes, you know, on the other side of that, you know, new moms decide that like I'm making being a mom, number one in my life. And that means sometimes the gym suffers for me. 
and that's okay. And that's great. That's just, I, I feel like the, the best thing that we could do during those times is just own those choices, right? If you are someone who has said like, right now I have goals to be, you know, a 1% athlete and you just are straight up, like you are, that's your goals and you're going to sacrifice other things. Like we can just be honest about that. If right now being a mom is the most important thing to you in your life, you can say like, am I the fit, most physically fit I've ever been? No, absolutely not but I, I, that's not my priority. My priority right now is to be a mom. And I'm going to make sure that somewhere on my list, I have just being physically able and, and taking care of my body is on there, but it's not my number one. So I'm not going to worry about five days a week, or I'm not worrying about four days, whatever. If it's two, you know, that you're just, you're making it, or it's walks, or it's like, you know, going on hikes or going on, you know, taking the stroller with you. It's just, you define that for yourself yeah, and we own and it. Yeah. And we own it. And it's important to remember too, you know, like not only own it, but you don't have to feel bad about that. You know, there's no yeah. shame or anything about that. It's just simply a lateral report prioritization, right? It's just, we're focusing on something else. There's no good or bad about that. Yeah. I you mean, know? that's so, that's so important for moms too. That's why I'm not a mom yet, but I love to bring that up for them because there's so much societal pressure for getting your, your pre-baby weight or, you know, which what you were another human, you were a different human. You were, <laughs> you were in a completely different lifestyle. Your body went through a, the biggest change that it can ever make. And we go back to a pre-baby weight. That's psychotic. <laughs> like <laughs> Now you have another human you're bringing around with you. <laughs> so like, there is absolutely no shame in that time being like, no, I'm, my number one right now is this other thing or my number one is my career and like just no shame around it. That's just my choice and I own it. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, I do want to go back to the physical fitness part of it because there's a large portion of our podcasts who are people like us, who are gym people, who especially like to use, I don't want to say overtraining, but we do tend to overtrain when times get really stressful and, you know, mm -hmm. that's the way we manage things. And then we have a lot of other people as well who fall into the, nope, that's not me camp. But I want to talk about overtraining because this is something that can happen to anybody. And I know you guys did a great episode on this recently. Um, and I want to talk about how a lot of people think that overdoing it or like going, you know, like balls to the wall in like the productivity department is an aspiration and not a problem. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like ingrained in our culture too, right? Like we just have this, um, you know, overworked mentality where like, if you are just busy all the time and you're working yourself into the ground, you are on this pedestal of like just this like really hard worker and you're moving yourself closer to your goals. The fact is, is if you're overtraining, you're actually not moving yourself closer to your goals. So more doesn't mean better. It doesn't mean more effective. That means you might be getting to a place where you're going to get hurt other things in your life are starting to suffer. And if you get hurt, you're not moving yourself closer to your goals anyway. Um, but when it comes to that time spent in the gym, I've been this person and I always have to check myself on it. So if you are that person, I am, I sympathize. I empathize with you. <laughs> 
when I think about, I want to get stronger, I'm just going to spend more time in the gym. What I really like to introduce is if that's part of your goals, I would look at how much sleep are you getting? What is your, what is your nutrition look like? How is your recovery? Because some tell some telltale signs of overtraining are just being sore all the time, not being able to, when you get into the gym, you're just like, not there. Like you're not, you're not excited for it. You're not enjoying your time at the gym. You're just kind of like, I'm here again and I'm just dragging through it. And you have to like work really hard to get yourself even to get there. Those are really signs that you're just starting to get to a burnt out place where like, it's, it's not a good, it's not a good thing for you. Um, and then like, we just devalue sleep <laughs> so much when you are built, spending so much time in the gym, you are breaking down your muscle, right? But in order to make gains, you have to build it back up. And that's the time that is spent outside of the gym. That's the time that's spent when you're sleeping, <laughs> when you're resting, when you're fueling your body appropriately so that you don't come in so sore that you, your training session is like just shit. It's not moving well. Sorry. I don't know. Can we swear here? <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> when your training session is just not going well, we're not making those gains. Um, so I, you know, I, I really like to take a pause when, you know, we think about just like, I'm just going to spend five hours in the gym, not even First five, all, who two hours. I know. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, wow, that's an aggressive amount of time. Even two hours in the gym. Like, are we really being productive at that point? And I know that there is just this, when you're a hard worker, you want to just stay there and you just want to say like, I'll outwork everyone, but we want to work smarter, not harder. And the way to work smarter is looking at the effective time we're spending in the gym. And I tell my athletes, if you are spending over 70 minutes in the gym, you're no longer productive. 90 tops. You are no longer productive. You got to go. <laughs> you got to go home. You get to rest. You got to focus on the other things that are actually going to move the needle for you. Yeah, definitely. And I, it's really important to recenter the focus of just like the baseline, right? Like, are we sleeping? Are we eating enough? Do you know what eating enough means, right? Because I think, you know, that's something that's thrown around a lot now because a lot of people who are, let's say, more um, body neutral minded are like, oh, we're not in the diet space. Like, we always like to say, just eat enough. It's like, okay, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, like you're not helping. <laughs> like for you, maybe, you know, for the you, these people that I'm criticizing, right? For you, maybe eating enough is significantly under eating for what we would recommend or something like that, you know? Um, but I also want to talk about and remind people of the fact that, um, you know, overtraining is so relative depending on where your starting point is and the, let's say, like the season of life that you're in right now, right? If you, let's use, you know, the new mom example. If you, have just had a kid or you have little kids or you have teenagers or you have, you know, whatever is going on in your life, if your stress bucket is significantly fuller than it usually is, your uh, tendency towards burnout is going to happen a lot faster. Your tending tendency towards overtraining is going to happen a lot easier than at a time when you were single and you could go, you know, to the gym whenever you wanted and you weren't traveling a lot and work wasn't super stressful and you weren't stressed about money and there wasn't a global pandemic and, you know, all of these other things, right? So it's, 
it's hard because people, we tend to, you know, even if we start to kind of wean ourselves off of comparing ourselves to other people, there's always that toxic comparison to ourselves. Like, oh, I used to be able to train, you know, X number of times a week, or oh, I used to be able to run that fast or row a 2K this fast or, you know, power clean this much or squat this much. And it's like, okay, well, what are all of the circumstances around then versus what are all of the circumstances around now? Because it can feel really shitty if you're trying to get back into some kind of routine of whether it's walking or yoga or whatever. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, why can I only do half of what I did before? And I'm twice as tired, you know, it can be so frustrating. So I just want to validate that like burnout doesn't have to look a certain way and overtraining does not look a certain way. Yeah, I think that's a great point because when your glass is already almost at the top for whatever reason, maybe you had like kids soccer practice. Maybe you had just like a stressful day at work. Like you went to do all of these things and you're like, well, now I'm not even performing in the gym and you start to beat yourself up over it. And that day overtraining to you could look like just, you know, doing it overtraining could just be like doing a strength piece. And you're overtraining for that day because you have, it's really very individual. And I know like the toxic idea of like comparing yourself to other people or your previous self is a really challenging place to be because we don't recognize that like your life is not the same as the person next to you who showed up in your class, who showed up, you know, at the gym or whatever, your life is not the same. So they should be in no comparison at all. Because like you too are just showing up as who you are with whatever baggage you came in that day and just doing the best you can. And like, it doesn't mean like today I'm more fitter than this person or like, or today, like what I'm like in the worst shape of my life because like, I couldn't do this thing. It means like, I have to recognize where I am today and what overdoing it looks like for me today. And that's, that can vary, but we have to start to trust ourselves, which wild idea. Society <laughs> hates it. Don't, don't do it. The last thing the diet or fitness industry really wants you to do is trust yourself because then you're not reliant on all of the next diet tea or the next quick fix because you say like, no, that actually doesn't feel good in my body. And like, that doesn't work with my lifestyle. Like, point blank full stop. And like, they don't want you to do that, but overtraining is so specific to the season you're in and who shows up that day. Yep, exactly. And what you need, what your body needs out of that day, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And believe me, I've found myself doing the same thing. I'm like, does the, what does this mean? It's, it's always that question. Like if you show up one day and you're like, I just don't have it today. Sometimes you go like, what does that mean for me as an athlete? What does that mean for me as a person? What does that mean for me? It means nothing more than that day. I don't, I don't have it in me. doesn't mean I'm less of an athlete. That doesn't mean I've fallen off the wagon. That doesn't mean anything else other than like today, I just need some gentle movement and that's what I'm going to do. And it might not even go with the programming that I had. I've shown up on days where like, you know, a a business can be, can take over your life. It can be fairly stressful. Um, You know, like we can have things where you're like, you just show up and you're like, what even happened this day or this week? Like time is fake. Who showed up? And I'm like, everything 
that I thought I was going to come in and train today is out the window and I'm going to bike and I'm going to mobilize because like that is physically and mentally what I need today. And that's it. And I'll be a better overall. I'll be a better athlete tomorrow. I'll be a better person in my overall health and fitness because I chose to listen to my body. Yep, exactly. So I want to lean more into how to listen to our bodies and kind of signs to look for, right? So I talk a lot about like burnout and cortisol on the podcast, right? And overtraining is one of the ways that you can contribute to burnout, right? So overtraining and burnout are separate, but I'd say there's a Venn diagram and like there's a big middle, right? So let's just make this really clear for people. So what are some of the most common signs of overtraining that you see? And we can do this in the different, you know, pillars of health too, like mental health, physical health, like wherever you want to take it, I'm game. Perfect. <laughs> because I'm very non-conventional. <laughs> um, one of the ones that I see the most is kind of a nagging injury. So sometimes, you know, people just say, I just have a bad knee or I just, they, 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 they put good or bad with some of their like body parts. And it's really just a nagging injury that is like consistently, um, you know, just like hurting them. And it could be, and it gets a little bit more every time. And you're just like, Oh, I just can't squat all the time. But like, that is one of the signs that you might be overtraining in a specific area and not training enough in another area, which is more of when you look at like mobilizing, when you look at soft tissue work, when you look at what you're just like, overall recovery is looking like, because that's part of your training too. So if you're not taking care of, you know, specific body parts, um, you know, they'll, they'll start to yell at you and that's what leads to injury, right? Like we always just say like, there's this one thing that like puts us over the edge and then all of a sudden we're injured. But really, if we look at it, we had a lot of signs that happened before that. If you're honest with yourself, there's a lot of signs. It's like, you had 15 beers and then you had a shot of tequila and you're like, it was the shot of tequila that did me in, but like, was it the shot of tequila or maybe <laughs> was it the 15 beers you had earlier that day <laughs> that like really actually were the cause there? <laughs> um, so that's one of the things that I like to bring up when it comes to overtraining. And, um, and then I, um, you know, like to just look at the time that we're spending in the gym, because a lot of people they're like, well, my body is feeling fine, but you know, they're staying in the gym for two hours. And like I've said before, like that's, you know, that's not conducive to what you have going on there. It's not conducive to, um, five days, five or six days a week for two hours. Like that's, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's too much. Um, and the time that you're spending there is not being utilized well. And then if you are consistently very sore. So being sore or having, you know, some muscle soreness is normal. But when you are really consistently sore all the time and you're coming into the gym and you're really happy having a tough time moving, you know, it's not just like working its way through, you're not like just needing to like push a little lactic acid through. You're just going around feeling really sore all the time. That's a really good sign that you are a overtraining and not recovering appropriately. So like, then we have to start to look at what's your fuel source. And that's what we is eat. How much are you eating? Is eating enough? Like that's so individual. Are you eating enough? Are you eating the 
enough nutritious foods that are helping your recovery. Um, because like eating enough and then enough nutrient dense foods are, you know, we have to balance those two. Um, so then, so if you are just showing up and you are so sore all the time, we need to look at how you're overtraining. Yeah. And I want to talk about the nutrition piece for a second, because I know we don't like to talk about like, well, are you eating, you know, the right things to fuel your training, but when we go to the building blocks of nutrition for performance or sports nutrition, there is a wrong way <laughs> to fuel, mm -hmm. right? If you're doing a very specific kind of activity, which we're talking about CrossFit and, you know, kind of, let's say, functional fitness training at this point, it is very glycolytic, which means that is a it is a predominantly carbohydrate-derived energy source. If you're doing something like intermittent fasting or keto or low-carb or Atkins or whatever, you are setting yourself up for burnout and overtraining on a silver platter, my friend. Like it is just, and you know, we, again, I don't like to say, oh, you know, there's a wrong way to do things or whatever. Let's say that that's an inappropriate fuel source for the type of activity that you're choosing. It doesn't mean that you know, this choice is inherently a bad choice. It's that, let's say, if we want to actively prevent burnout and actively, you know, fuel and refuel and things, we really need to look at things like, you know, protein and carbohydrates, specifically when you're doing this kind of exercise. But that doesn't mean, like a lot of the uh, macro programs out there, that doesn't mean that we can neglect fats either. And I talk to this all the time, um, to my, a lot of my clients who have been on, you know, macro programs before, or who have done, you know, like RP or anything like that, or met with a macro coach, it's like, oh, well, you know, I know I was meeting all my carbs and all my proteins and stuff. I'm like, but, <laughs> but where are your hormone building blocks? You know, you're coming to me because you've lost your cycle and your hair is falling out and all this other stuff. It's like, fat is a really important component as well. So basically you can't neglect anything. <laughs> Yeah. I'm so glad you brought up hormones too, because I feel like, you know, we don't talk about it enough because it is really individual. So when you start to talk about hormones, like we were like, okay, well, what are some of the symptoms that you're exhibiting? Like how, how is that going for you? But you know, a lot of people have symptoms where their hair is falling out, they're breaking out their, you know, just skin is like really not looking great in the way that like they know that it can. And we kind of neglect the fact that our nutrition is having a significant influence on our hormones and our nutrition mixed with the type of workouts that we're doing. So if we are severely depleting and we are not using nutrition as a fuel source to then recover, your body is going to react. It's going to take it from somewhere and your hormones can really just like start to go haywire. Um, and then you have all of these kind of weird, not weird, but different reactions individually for a lot of people where, um, they are not attributing some of that to their nutrition sources, which is really the first place that we should look. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Stop under eating. <laughs> yeah. Like, and when you have all of those restrictive diets, right? Like intermittent fasting, like I, I catch a lot of heat for like going after it, but I don't really care because you just can't care at this point. If you want to have, if you want to say, you know, your message effectively, you just have to stop caring. <laughs> um, but when you have all of those rules about when you can eat, how much you can eat these windows of like restriction and like, honestly, restriction and binging then we can't 
really fuel our body effectively for how we are feeling because you have all these rules around it. Like if you are someone who goes to the gym in the morning and you feel better not having eaten breakfast before, for example, that's fine. That's, that's not the type of intermittent fasting I'm really talking about. I'm talking about these windows of eating where regardless of how you're feeling, you're not allowed to eat during these times. That's when it really becomes detrimental to how we're fueling our body. Or if you're saying like, I'm restricting, you know, all carbohydrates from my body because that's the rule. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's the rule. Number one, that sounds horrible, (laughs) but also we're really not listening to how our body is feeling and how we can appropriately recover and then fuel for our workouts the next day. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because when we look at what the core of these things are is like when we're feeling a certain way and we don't know what we want, what we need to do to change it, right? Or even what we could do to change it, people will commonly look to an external expert or source or something to provide us information about what we should do for our own bodies. But then when you choose something like the time-restricted feeding window of intermittent fasting or cutting out all carbohydrates, which you're right, sounds absolutely horrible. Um, it's like we're at, by doing that, we're actively choosing to deny ourselves the opportunity to even listen to our bodies because the choice is already made for you. If you're only eating within this you know, time-restricted window and then you're hungry outside of that time, you feel like you're failing if you eat out of that time. Some people feel like they're failing if they're hungry outside of that time. It's like, um, your body wasn't designed to just digest things between 12 and 6. Like, what are you talking about, you know? And... If you're cutting out every single carbohydrate source, which, by the way, almost everyone that I've ever talked to that says they cut out every single carbohydrate source, you didn't because that means you're not eating a single green vegetable or a single vegetable or fruit or grain or, you know, any of these other things. It's just wild. But that just goes to show that the nutrition information that is out there and readily uh, consumable by most people is just dieting and weight loss advice. It's not true, like nutrition to fuel or neutral nutrition advice or teaching people how to interpret nutrition information for the sake of learning how to use that for their own bodies or their own goals or anything like that drives me crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because some of, some of those are easy to, you know, pick apart, like why, you know, why are we cutting out carb sources? But even when it comes to calorie counting, which is probably the most widespread, you know, information when it comes to fat loss or when it comes to people like look at starting to look at their health. And it's like, it's not that simple. (laughs) It's not that simple. If someone talks to you about your caloric intake without talking to you about the quality of foods that you're eating, they're no longer talking to you about health. They're just, they're just talking to you about your caloric intake and we're not even discussing health anymore or discussing like what, you know, those nutrient sources that you're needing to, um, fuel the type of workouts that you're doing for your lifestyle. Like it's, it's, it's not working together. No, it's not. Um, and all of this (laughs) contributes to burnout and overtraining. (laughs) Imagine that. Full circle. Right. And I talk about this frequently is like the stress of trying to figure out what's going on with your health, the stress of not knowing like, oh, what I should or shouldn't be eating, or the stress of your relationship with food or your relationship with exercise. 
all of these are contributors to that stress bucket, which if we continue to fill it up, can lead to things like overtraining and burnout. And then all of a sudden when you get that injury or you're like, oh my God, now I'm on the floor and I can't get back up or, you know, whatever it is, it's like, there was no, you know, no one big thing that happened or if it was an injury, it was like, oh, there was one big thing that happened. And, you know, barring like a freak accident or something like that, it's not just one thing. It's an accumulation of unprocessed stressors and stress and everything in the body that have been building to this point. And it's only this one, you know, thing or time or whatever that your body's starting to yell at you loud enough that you're willing to listen. Mm, or just, at, it just stops you from like having the choice. It's That's like, true. okay, I've been yelling at you for so long and you're not listening. Now we can't work out. Like now it's, it's just done. Now you have an injury where you really can't even move because like it's been yelling at you for some time. And that looks, it honestly looks very different for a lot of people. And I really like to talk to people about when they first start up, when they're first starting up with fitness again, where they have neglected that piece of their life for a really long time. And it can be really frustrating and it can be really hard and and your body can hurt, um, you know, for women who are, who are just starting and they're like, I went for a run and I had to like walk half the time. And it's like, you, you went and you did something and that's your start, right? It's, it's always going to be a hard start, but if you go in and you go a thousand miles an hour, right from, you know, going from nothing. And then you go into like being at the gym five days a week for three hours. It's like, that is a recipe for getting hurt. And it's a recipe for burnout. <laughs> so then those two come together because like, that's not something you can maintain. That's not something you will maintain. Your body will stop you. You will get tired of doing that, you know, um, like a million miles an hour. Like I'm going to go, I'm going to go six days a week. Like, no, let's get something that we are working that is appropriate from where you're starting and that you can maintain to a certain extent. Exactly. I feel like we could talk about this forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a large topic, right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many levels of, you know, overtraining and nutrition. There's just like so many ways that it can go wrong. And all of the, all of the information that really we're given with the exception of us, of course, <laughs> all of the information that we're given as soon as we start out is just like, we'll work harder get in the gym for longer, get your, get your calories under control, get your, um, get on a diet. And it's just like, all of those things are like a no. <laughs> Immediately. No, immediately. No. Oh my gosh. Well, Kelsey, thank you so, so much for coming on. I loved having this conversation. I'm sure we can, we will talk another time more about this and even more in depth. Um, but before you go, please tell people all of the places that they can find you. Oh man, we're everywhere. So, um, you know, you can come listen to us on our podcast. It's called the Thick Die Save Live podcast, um, which we had Dana on and it's me and my sister. Um, sometimes we're funny. Sometimes we're just like ready to take over the world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but also join our Facebook group. It's called Fitness Programming by CVG. And really it's not just CrossFit. It's women like at every doing all types of fitness. We have people doing roller derby. We have, you know, some CrossFitters, you know, 
just like the spectrum is so wide of just women that are coming in to looking to make healthy decisions in their lives, whatever that means for them. And then just looking to support each other along the way, because I mean, that's, what's really missing for a lot of women is just like having the support and encouragement and a safe place to ask some of these questions where they can just say like, Hey, like I heard all of this information, like what's, what's good, what's true. Like, can someone help me sift through all of this? Because you have so much shit to think about in your life, adding in like what's lies and what's truth. And like, how can I live a happier, healthier life is like, just like the spectrum is so wide. So we created a safe space in there. It's just women, um, to be able to ask some of those questions and we're on Instagram, constantly varied gear. And my Instagram is little miss. Hell yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Hey friends, it's Dana. And thanks for listening to the wholehearted eating podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you can, we would absolutely love it if you left a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps spread the word so more people can find the show and learn how to break out of diet culture, the body image spiral, and find a more peaceful relationship with food in their bodies with wholehearted eating. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me or Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling or checking out our self-paced courses, head over to wholeheartedeating.com. And we'll see you again here next week.